Welcome to our Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of scripture and a meditation of the gospel of the day. Uh, my name is James Thomas. Sorry, it's a little early, a little tired here today, a little out of it, but I'm going to give this my best. It is August the 29th. It is Tuesday, and it is the feast of the beheading of St. John the Baptist. Our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Mark. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. She had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? She replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give me at once on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with the orders to bring back his head. He went off and beheaded him in the prison. He brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl, in turn, gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. In my experience of preaching, whenever you talk about sin, kids love it. (laughs) I don't know why. They love to talk about sin. I think on the one hand, they're learning and they like to know the rules, perhaps that their parents never told them. And they like talking about heaven and hell. They like talking about larger realities, even if they're not going to follow what you say. And certainly I don't think it's good to overload people with guilt, whether they're kids or adults, but just to talk about the reality of sin. The types of sin, this is a sin, that's a sin, this is what makes this a sin. The intentionality, the object, etc., all the things that we learn in theology. Kids love to learn about that stuff. And it generates huge conversations very often about confession, about types of confession, about, uh, you know, is this a sin, is that a sin, and what about this, and what about, you know, can can the priest tell the police if somebody says that they murdered someone, etc. They They love to come up with unique questions, they love to talk about it. Adults, on the other hand, get very resentful towards the preacher or teacher. Adults don't like to talk about sin. Adults, unless they're post-conversion and they're really trying to grow, Uh, most adults don't want to hear it and they will stop going to that church. 
they will criticize the preacher. They will come up to his face. They will write him letters. They will write letters to the local bishop. I can't believe this person said this and in this way. I can't believe they're telling me I can't do uh, in vitro fertilization or use contraception. Um, I can't believe they said it's a mortal sin to miss mass on Sunday. How dare they tell my children that? Interesting. It's very interesting. Another little story, and I don't know that I can reveal all the details on this one, but it's just about a man. It's a really amazing story. Um, In a charismatic prayer meeting, uh, some people were praying over this particular man whose father had recently died, and they were praying over a completely different topic, just trying to help this man discern some things in his life. When suddenly one of the people praying who does have a gift of prophecy said, I see your dad and he's in purgatory and he's suffering for certain things that he did. And he really, uh, he needs your prayers and he needs your forgiveness. He needs you to pour on the prayer right now and he needs you to pour on the forgiveness. And so the the man being prayed over said, okay. And then they went on with their other prayers about other things. And then it was about two months later, this man was leaving church and another man, just a random person had nothing to do with that charismatic meeting, uh, came up and said, I, um, I saw something at church this morning. There was a man who was with you. He looked like you, but he wasn't you. And I just was a little bewildered at what I was seeing because you didn't notice the man. He was right next to you. And then at one point, Jesus came into the room. I saw Jesus and I said, Lord, who is that man? And he said, that's that other man's father. And he was wearing white robes and Jesus took him by the hand and led him off to heaven. And it's just an amazing thing. And when I heard this story, just one of the things that came to me in prayer that was just really powerful for me was that man has been transformed. His sins are gone. His inclination to sin is gone. This is the purpose of purgatory. This is the purpose of our belief that we need to be sanctified. We need to grow in holiness and heaven requires perfection. And so whatever drags us down here on this earth we need to purge. That's why our Lord and and St. Paul, different places in the Bible talk about God's love as a refining fire, that the impurities need to be burned off in a way like gold in the furnace so that that gold is pure gold so that we can present a gift to God that is without blemish, that is com- um, compatible with the life of heaven. So I'm just thinking about King Herod this morning as I'm thinking about these other things that, you know, maybe he said he liked John the Baptist, kind of, sort of. And then later with Jesus, there's an interest there. And perhaps with him, there was a little bit more of like a a childlike spirit, even though we see in so many other ways, there's not. He's a nasty person, but it's Herodias, you know, that that gets him, you know, she's the one that he's sinning with and she gets it in her mind. We're going to put an end to this. Let's take the head of John the Baptist. And isn't it something they want his head? I mean, number one, of course, that means death, but it also means no, the head that's spewing out all this truth. We can't have that. And it's, it's everywhere in our world today. We can't have truth, especially when it comes to moral teachings. We can't have that. We need to stay in our sins. We need to be caught up in these things that 
you know, require us to maintain secrecy. When it comes to dealing with the church today, very often changes cannot be made because people are caught up in their sins and they don't want the transformation. They're too afraid. They're too afraid. I, I don't know what it is. I, I just know in church leadership, very often changes refuse to be made by the leadership because then they might have to reveal their own defects and their own, um, you know, lack of perfection, their, their lack of ability to fix and change things for the better. And very often people don't go to church, don't go to mass, etc., because they are they don't want to be told that what they're li- the way they're living, what they're doing is a sin. They know they can't go to confession, therefore they can't go to communion, therefore they don't go to church at all. But it's also in the intellectual arguments. And I learned this way long ago when I was still in college. I had a nasty, long debate with someone in a restaurant about the church's moral teachings, and then I learned that never mind was there sin in the person's life, this person wasn't really all that self-conscious about her sins, but there had been abuse. So very often, there's issues there that need to be discussed first before we have an intellectual conversation about the faith. King Herod, it doesn't say, you know, he had intellectual disagreements with John the Baptist that needed to be hashed out. No, John the Baptist was calling him on his sins and he was a public figure. So that needed to be dealt with and he refused to deal with it. So what did he do? He killed the one making the accusations, the one pointing out the truth. It happens all the time in our society today. It's happened throughout the ages with leadership. They don't want to admit their faults. So what do they do? They cancel the messenger. And in this case, they kill the messenger. So, you know, I was saying I learned in evangelization, especially when people are disagreeing and even strong in their disagreements. For example, they want to debate about abortion. Very often, there's a simple question that needs to be asked. When did you have an abortion? Did you have an abortion? How do you feel about your abortion? Are you aware that God can forgive you and that God still loves you and that it's good to confess this before it gets too late? We can still be transformed back into a life of grace. We can still become like children once again. God can do it. God can do anything. God loves us. God forgives us. And that always has to be the main message. And if there was abuse in the past, maybe it wasn't even the person's sin. A lot of times people that were abused feel guilty for that when they actually didn't do anything wrong. But once again, that guilt can be purged. That memory can be healed. The Lord can do it. God is good and God loves us. So, you know, once again, we turn to Our Lady. Our Lady stood at the foot of the cross and endured that pain with Jesus so that we would come to the cross. She wants to be that bridge between us and Jesus dying for our sins. She wants to take us to Jesus. She suffered too so that our sins would be wiped away. Jesus is the Savior, but she shared in that suffering with him. St. Paul says, I make up in myself what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Mary did that first for the sake of the church. She didn't have any sins herself. So she didn't, she, (laughs) she doesn't have any experience of what we're talking about here today, except in sharing it with all of us through her sufferings, because she didn't have any sins that needed to be covered up. But 
you know, she prays for us constantly that what is in the darkness may be brought to the light so that we can have peace. She is the queen of peace. She prays that the peace of Jesus will overcome each of us and fill us. This is why Jesus said when he gave his apostles the commission about forgiving sins or holding them bound, at the same time, he breathed the spirit on them and he said, peace be with you. Peace is the fruit of his death and his resurrection. Peace comes when we confess our sins. So let us ask the Lord today for that grace that we might be real and genuine before him, that we might experience his peace in this life and for all eternity. Have a great day. God bless you.